previously on Gentleman's Talk. John Morant and Patrick Beverly are the same damn size. Talking about some too small. That's true. And listen, Cat, I'm talking to you. You need to shut the hell up. You are the main catalyst of why your team is falling apart right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Because when they when when Memphis came back to Minnesota and they called that timeout and now you got Cat, oh, they had to come back home to Minnesota. Yeah, they you're right. They came back home to your house and they took a game from you in your house. After you were up. You was up by 25 in the first half, 26 in the second half, and you lost. You can bet I'm doing numbers and my stock is going up because of my hunger. When you see me in my zone, I'm locked in, not clocked in. I'm never boxed in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Episode 5, coming into your hot. I am your boy, Mr. GQ. I am your boy DJ Micah B. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm unknown to the world that's full of clones. My originality's focused on principalities broken. I'm known in my heart and soul to the game that's scared to pay it back. And failure is a motherfucker. The strength to go on and believing in another sucker who don't see the vision in you. So you gotta work harder times two. Gotta make it do what it do with the limited sources you have. Your dream is still a. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome to the show. How y'all living today, man? Hey, man, look, I've been excited all day. Listen, I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning on accident, by the way, because my brother doesn't know how to shut off his alarm. But it gave me some time to come up with the crossover today. It gave me some time to see what was going on on YouTube and a couple of other things, what's going on in the world. And more importantly, it gave me time to see what was going on in the NBA. That's what I'm talking about, man. It's been a good time. I mean, I woke up about 1.30 this morning because my daughter decided to wake up. She ain't want to sleep all night. But it's all right. I done got some good rest. I've been excited all day. I've been making notes since last Wednesday. Mm. It's time to get this thing hype. So let's go ahead and get this thing kicked off. So we we normally start to show off. We start talking about our sports talk and everything like that. Like, But we, gonna, we decided we're going to change it up a little bit. We're trying a little something different. We're going to see how y'all like this. I know everybody likes the musical verses and all that other type of stuff. So we decided to take that and put an even more different spin on it. And we're going to go with an actor's version of the verses. So we chose Will Smith and Denzel Washington. Ooh. It's crazy, right? Fire. Yeah. So right off rip, I'm going to go ahead and give you my little list of Wait. my... Uh-oh. Wait. We forgot the most important thing. Oh, don't tell me. we. Oh, did we forget the... Man. This nice glass of TX whiskey, baby. My brother. Hey, cheers to you. Yep. Yep, that was it. I was so hyped up for the show, I forgot I had a shot sitting next to me. <laughs> but, it um, happens. It's all good. So I'm going to give you my little little short list of my, my Will Smith movies, and I followed up with my Denzel movies. But like my my just my all-time favorite of my Will Smith movies, I had Ali, I had Enemy of the State, I had Independence Day, Pursuit of Happiness, I Am Legend, and, of course, I, Robot, and Seven Pounds. Mm-hmm. As far as my Denzel movies, I course there was a million to name so i had to kind of keep it short but american gangster all-time favorite glory training day john q and inside man okay well i'll tell you this uh favorite movies i'm gonna start with will as well yeah i only wrote down men in black but that's one and two the men in black one and two and of course independence day has to go on there man that's a classic from the night oh man so uh you want to move on to uh you said Denzel too, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did both. Okay. My favorite all-time Denzel movie is actually an easy one to name, which is Remember the Titans, and it's not even close as my favorite. Uh, <laughs> y'all know I'm a surprised. sports person. And, hey, Coach Boone, that dude was crazy. Hey, and don't forget, if you want to win, put Booby in. Wrong one. It's Friday Night Lights, man. Come on, dog. I had to get you one. Time to make sure <laughs> All right, so we, we kind of broke it down into categories a little bit. So we went with, our, um, with the Oscar winners, which neither one has had more than two. Um, we went to um, no, um, nom- Oscar-nominated film. Uh, we went to most underappreciated. We went with our personal favorite, and then the worst-rated one by Rotten Tomatoes. So that's all right, just, that was that's that's how crazily we broke it down. So as far as Oscar winners go, of course for Will, I went with King Richard because that was his first one, but it was a great film. Absolutely, it was a phenomenal film. Yeah. Um, for Denzel, I went with Training Day. That's the two. I mean, it's it's. It's Training Day. I don't know. Hey, I like Glory. You know, he he won Best Supporting Actor in Glory, but man, Training Day was just. We all still quote Training Day. Yeah. Oh, no. I absolutely. <laughs> man, I have to look. I love Glory. I'm a big military movie guy, but Training Day was just a. I don't want to use the word groundbreaking, but it was a big. It was big for the culture. Let's 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 say it yes. like that. It was big for the culture. It was. 
All right, so as far as my Oscar-nominated films, for Will, I went with Pursuit of Happiness, and for um, Denzel, I went for Malcolm X. That's the same two I have. I think that's the two everybody would pick. I don't think there's any description with that, like no. none. I mean, I can see arguments for, for Ali. I can see arguments for Concussion, Seven Pounds, like other ones of that, but Pursuit of Happiness for me was, it was, it was easy. Um, Absolutely. Most underappreciated. For me, I had Seven Pounds, hands down. I thought Seven Pounds was... One of the movies that, like, if you haven't seen Seven Pounds, you need to watch it. I don't want to spoil too much for you because after you watch it, you'll never look at the title Seven Pounds ever the same ever again. But you want to talk about the ultimate sacrifice in a calculated manner? Yes. That's Seven Pounds for you. Um, my underappreciated um, Denzel film was Antoine Fisher. Sorry. Like Denzel and Derek Luke had great on-screen chemistry. Hey, man, I love I was, Antoine Fisher. I was a... I'm a, I love my military movies, like I told you. And so, you know, of course, Antoine Fisher was, was a great movie. Um, well, my underrated, underappreciated for Will Smith, and I don't want y'all to laugh. I got Chartel. I do. I, re, I, I have Chartel. I, I, hey, y'all can laugh all y'all want to. Chartel is hard. I love animated movies. Hey man, I am Chartel a big kid. A, Chartel had a fire soundtrack, though. Yes, I am a big kid at heart. And for Denzel's side, it was hard for me to choose between Fences and Man on Fire. Mm, man yeah. on fire is just a man and there's denzel got a whole bunch of underappreciated movies but man man on fire is a good choice though and then most people know fences for james earl jones playing yeah. it on stage and denzel reprised that role very very well man, shout out to, to life the, shout out to one of the goats man james yeah. earl jones that man has mufasa. voiced some of the most iconic characters in movies he's you, you heard my man he said mufasa but let's not forget the king no Let's not forget Darth Vader. Oh, right, man. Is, hey, may the fourth be with you, brother. Today is the fourth. It is the fourth, It's big man. about Star Wars. So, hey, James Earl may Jones the fourth be and with Darth you. Vader. And not to mention, hey, King of Zamunda. King of Zamunda. Hey. We so, might got to get, to get, get, tomorrow, uh, get together tomorrow, too. Tomorrow is Cinco de right, Mayo tomorrow tacos. Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo tacos <laughs> and tequila. Hey. All right. So, now we're going into personal favorite. So, personal favorite for me for Will Smith was Pursuit of Happiness. And for Denzel was American Gangster. The... Mafia style gangster movies, those are like that's like an all time favorite category of mine. So like American Gangster was like perfect for me. Like, yeah. Because Scarface is one of my all time favorite films, and American Gangster was like the perfect movie for me to watch after the fact. Scarface too long for me. I man. man, it's good, but it's too long. Uh, like I said, Men in Black, that's my personal favorite Will Smith movie, and I'm gonna give some love to I Am Legend too. Okay. I am definitely gonna give love to I Am Legend, and of course, like I said, Remember the Titans is my favorite movie. Uh, by. Denzel, if I had to give love to another one, you already know where I'm going with this. He got game. He went with the basketball. Hey, shout out to that boy, Jesus Shuttleworth, hey. a.k.a. Ray Allen. Mr. Hey, Mr. Game 6 winner had to hurt your Spurs feelings. I'm sorry. That's all right. We got it, it back the next year. It's okay. It's okay. Right. You, you know, you're right, but y'all ain't seen one. If y'all see this fool right now, he got his Miami jersey on, the butler. Hey, man. Hey. Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Buckets. All right, so this is kind of like a little random one we threw at y'all just because in case y'all didn't know. So we wanted we went ahead and looked up their worst movies rated by Rotten Tomatoes. So, of course, most people just without Rotten Tomatoes knew for Will Smith it was going to be Wild Wild West. <laughs> okay, first of all, <laughs> you owe. But no, I kind of like Wild Wild West, I do, though. I do, too. Like, I like Wild Wild West. I like the soundtrack. It's <sighs> I like the little Cisco. We're going straight to... <laughs> it, it wasn't a bad movie. It just, I think it came out at the wrong time. It probably did, yeah. Because there was a lot of futuristic style, oh, mechanical spiders. You know like, what, though? You know, that was that was around the same time where TS, TLC was doing a little futuristic things with yeah. their video and stuff. You know, uh, Backstreet Boys had their video with the futuristic mm -hmm. stuff. So It was, it was very um, it was very Sherlock Holmes-like. And it was before CGI. <laughs> yeah. So let's, you know, and then, so that one had a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, my God. So, this one was a shocker when I looked this up. I had told Micah this, and he was like, no way. But Denzel Washington's lowest-rated film is actually John Q. It's a lie. It's got to be a lie. It is a lie. And now, the crazy thing is, I actually did. I went onto the Rotten Tomatoes website, and this is what came up. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. How is a movie about a father who holds up a hospital because he's trying to get his son on the transplant plant list that bad of a film? It's a lie. I don't care what nobody says. That's one of his best roles. Yeah, like, hands down. Like, I mean, you just sitting there, just just a normal Saturday. You at your son's baseball game. 
your son run into the base, your son grab his chest and fall fall to the ground, and you're like, oh snap, let me get him to the hospital. All of a sudden, your son needs a brand new heart, and he can't get on the top near near the top of the list because, of course, you know, rich people and rich people problems. You know, rich people problems. Yeah. So I'm like, come on. Well, while you went with you did the Rotten Tomatoes, and I forgot I said the Rotten Tomatoes. I just picked the two movies I thought was the worst they ever acted in. And before y'all say anything, I like Wild Wild West. I don't care. So the worst movie for me with Will Smith is After Earth. Mm. I don't oh, the like one he did After with Earth. Son, yeah. I, I I don't like it. I wasn't uh, I wasn't a fan of that movie either. It it had some some good spots where they could have made it very very good, and it just took a turn for just what are you doing? And then for Denzel Washington, Mama, I love you, and I know you love this movie, Mm-mm. but. The mighty Quinn, bro. Come on, oh, that accent was bro. not it. No. Oh my God. Uh, Denzel was still young in his acting. I think that was the first movie he did after Glory. So, I almost completely forgot about the mighty Quinn. Oh my God, bro. That movie was uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't believe my, that movie was straight poochie. I don't know how that movie's not ranked the lowest on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. But you know. That's a different way to start the show off with. Yep. So we know we um we'll take y'all suggestions. Um, we we something we might think about continuing on. Um, there's a couple other actors that we definitely like to take a look at. But um, with that, hey, let's move on to your regularly scheduled program and let's get on to these NBA playoff reactions. Well, where you want to start? Where you want to start? Man, look, let's talk about uh, let's talk about game two of um Memphis and Golden State. Memphis and Golden State. Okay. Because I thought the game was fire. Like. First of all, the exact jaw did the same thing that he did in game, was it four, I believe it was, against Minnesota when he basically just went on a tear in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he just took over the he game. He scored the last 13 points in game two. Yep. In route to scoring 40-plus and knocking off Golden State to split the home. So I was like, okay, good game. Golden State played really well. Now there was a lot of controversy in this game. Absolutely. Because you had Dylan Brooks who got ejected early in this game for the the um the hit the, to the, the back of the head. The, well, so that I don't know if you read it today, so Gary Payton the second is actually out for a hot little minute with a fractured elbow. Yeah. So the wind up and the, the strike to the elbow was a little too much for me. There was there's been back and forth saying, you know, of course we know Dylan Brooks is not a dirty player. Right. Was it a dirty play? Yes, I think it was a dirty play. I do not think Dylan Brooks is a dirty player, but I definitely think that was a dirty play. I don't think the intent was to hurt him, but when you make a play like that, trying to prevent somebody from scoring for a momentum change, you have to be careful. Especially when he's already in the air. Yeah. So he only has nowhere to go but down. Yep. Now, you also had Draymond Green get hit in the nose, and he had a bloody nose, and he decided, I'm going to flip these double birds off Stone Cold Steve Austin style. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So, so you had that going. <laughs> so yeah, so that happened too. What um, about the uh the the Draymond, the Draymond uh when he got ejected? Oh, game the, one. Uh, Look, man. Yes, he should have got ejected for that because one, you you missed, and, and most people only saw the jersey pull down. Yeah. He also hit my man in the side of the head Absolutely. on the way up. And that's the rule. But so they're like, because I talked to other people like, oh, but he he tried to help him up this, that, and then I'm like, no, 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 no. When he pulled him down by the front of his jersey, he was already on the ground before he decided to try to help him. Because he knew he's like, man, I'm about to get ejected. Damn. If you haven't heard Draymond's explanation of this whole ordeal, oh, I need you to go on YouTube and look at his podcast. Because, he, oh yeah. my goodness, his explanation on Inside the NBA had me crying and laughing because he was so full of it. He essentially, when once he got ejected, basically took a shower, put his street clothes on, and then after the game went straight to his hotel room and did a live version of his podcast. Yeah. Like, he explains it. And then Steve Kerr, okay, let me address this too. Steve Kerr said that in game two that Dylan Brooks broke the player code because he committed a type of play the players know that if X, Y, and Z happens, that a player shouldn't do that. I'm like, Steve Kerr, you the last person to talk about any kind of codes of any kind. Mr. I got punched in the face <laughs> at practice, and you want to talk about a player code. You got punched in the face and got punked by your own teammate, and you worried about something that another player did. 
you ain't even stand up for yourself when you got punched in the face like a little like a little punk. So go on somewhere, Steve. <laughs> you know what though? On a serious note, if John Moran has to score forty plus for Memphis to win every night, I don't think they're gonna make it out of this series. So Ja had to score forty plus in because of the situation. Yeah. Jaron Jackson fouled out. Dylan Brooks had gotten thrown yeah. out, and his team was just ice cold. Bane yeah. was even kind of cold in this game. So Ja had to do. Like I said, he'll do the same thing that he did in the Minnesota series. He's like, all right, we got four minutes left. All right, bet. I'm going to take over. Because, man, Jaws. At, at four minutes, they were down by one point. I think it was 98, yeah. 97. But Jaws' first step is just, it's just artwork. Oh, to be young and athletic. It is just artwork. He is, as soon as he touched, he is it's explosive. So let me ask you this. Go for it. You think John Moran is the best player in the series? Right now, yes. It's a it's he is definitely the best player in this series right now. The argument can also be made for Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole has been balling. Jordan Poole has definitely been balling. Um I would say that I think Steph is probably the third best player. Um ironically, I would have to say Jaron Jackson is probably the fourth best player cuz Jaron Jackson Absolutely. Last game, Game one, my man hit 28 points. Gotta give him some love, man. He was electric from three. So I was just like, what? Like, it was absurd. So let's go into this. Let's go from, since we already in the West, um, let's talk about this this Phoenix series. Ah, yes. Let's talk about it. Because, man, it was um, it was interesting, to say the least. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect from it, but they pulled it off. What and I expected is what I thought was going to happen. I'm not even going to lie to you. Well, I did not expect Luka to give you... 45 in a loss. Okay. What I mean is, I thought Phoenix was going to win the game. Okay, I give you that. Yes. I did not think Dallas... I, I mean, I also don't think Dallas going to win this series at all. Like, Phoenix no. going to win this series. But the game, to me, was a lot closer than I think it should have been. I don't. I think 121-114 is too close. Too close for comfort. Because that's the first time that um, Phoenix has broken 120 this so far. Yeah, both of them. That's, that's the highest scoring output for both teams in, yeah. this, in this postseason. So, I was just like... Okay, let's let's let, you know that was a little too close for comfort, you know. Well, well let's uh let's dive into a little bit deeper and why it's too close for comfort. Well, Phoenix has won ten straight over Dallas. Okay. Not only that, they shot eighteen to eighteen from the free throw line. They shot fifty percent or better during the game. Okay. They stopped literally doing what was working for them the whole game. And I'm not saying they did that they they just stopped it completely, but they went away from it, which was feeding DeAndre Ayton the basketball in the post. Yeah. He was thoroughly dominating the game. Yeah, Aiden gave you Aiden gave you twenty five points in thirty three minutes. I think he could have given you more if you keep feeding him. Yep. He was twelve of twenty from the field, so that's that's to tell you enough. Um, Booker gave you twenty three. Uh, Paul Chris Paul gave you nineteen. Crowder By the gave way, you eleven. Uh, Chris Paul with his uh two game back to back has the highest field goal percentage in a two game stretch. Well, he, I mean, when you go playoffs. when you go perfect in game one, yeah. I mean, that was a beautiful display, like, by the way. Good lord, like that was just yeah. And then let's see from the besides the the Lucas forty five points. Uh, looks like Finney gave you fifteen, Brunson gave you thirteen in this game, and Kleber gave you nineteen. So it was kind of yeah. After outside of Luca, they really had no nothing else going on. But on the flip side of that, Luca is a defensive liability. When hasn't he been? He, he's a and, and the, you can tell the Suns are just seeking out that matchup yep. every single time. No matter who Luca is guarding, they're going to seek it out. Yeah, they like and they started like salivating when they do. Anytime they switch, like oh oh Luca guarding me, oh to the rack. Don't don't let don't let Luca get on Devin Booker. Oh my god. He, he did. Booker oh. cooked him. Cooked. Booker murdered him on the right side when they he caught the ball on the wing and took a couple dribbles. He was cooking Luca. Luca took a nasty little stumble backwards and then Booker started laughing at him. So here's my question. Because it seems like this is what Monty did last year with Giannis. And I'm not saying Luca is Giannis, but I mean, I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. But I'm not saying Luca is Giannis. But it seems like the Suns' game plan is to be, okay, Luka, here's what's going on. We're going to guard you one-on-one -on -one, no matter what. You're going to have to carry this team over the hump against us because outside of Kleber and uh, Jalen Brunson, and Jalen Brunson, who else on Dallas is going to get their own shot against this man-to-man? -man? Because they're playing man-to-man -man defense and switching everything because DeAndre Ayton is good enough. And, and by the way, uh, JaVale McGee, Pick Luca's mm -hmm. pocket at that too, I, and he dunked it. And he dunked it. So if they're switching everything and they can be guarded one through five, switching everything, somebody else is going to have to step up if Dallas is even going to win two games in this it, series. It's gonna have to be Jalen Brunson. Like I think it, I don't think anybody else on that team can give you the kind of scoring output 
yep. to match what Luka's doing, it's got to be Jalen Brunson. But Jalen Brunson's going to have to give you, like, 27, 28. Yep. Like, that, that, that's, that's what's going to have to happen. Now, can he do it? Absolutely, because Jalen Brunson, towards the end of the season and into the first round of the playoffs, has, was, has been a monster. Balling! You know? So, game one of... Um, Miami and um, Philly, of course, it was 106-92. Don't let the score fool you. This game was only close one time, and it was at half when it was 51-50. to And I watched Philly just get gassed. I didn't even make a lot of notes about this. I'm going to just run through my notes real quick, and you can just yeah. chime in as I go through. The first note is James Harden, is James Harden washed. Yeah. As, and... As a superstar, not as in he can't play basketball anymore, but as a superstar that can carry a team, is James Harden washed? Yes. I, I believe so. The total team defense for Miami, it doesn't matter who's out. I promise you if somebody else goes out, Udonis Haslam can step in and play killer defense and fall into that scheme like it's nothing. Uh, I think you would agree with that because y'all's, your team's defense is just... We're, we're the best defensive team. Now, by rating, it's actually... It's actually the Boston Celtics, but... Yeah, what your eye test tell you? <laughs> my eye test tells me that Miami can match up yeah. with pretty much anybody. Um, To me, I I don't know if you'll agree with this, but you might agree with this. I still think Philly lose with Embiid in the series. I really do. I, I do, too. I, I don't, because I, don't... I think they would implore a similar strategy to what Phoenix is doing with Luka. I'm going to let Embiid do what Embiid do, but I'm not going to let nobody else beat me. Now, the problem you run into, because we were watching game two um, before we started recording, um, and it was real it was real sketchy. It was real close, you know. And the problem is you have Maxi, not Maxi. No, you, yeah, sorry. You have Maxi. You have Maxi, and you've got um, Tobias Harris that are balling out right now. Yeah. So the problem that would happen, there would be a couple of matchup problems because Tobias Harris, who do you put on him? Because you're gonna put Bam, you're gonna put De Bam down there essentially on on MB. MB. So you're gonna have a combination of Bam, Deadman, probably Martin, and uh, one other guy off the bench. Uh, I can't remember his name. He wears number fifty-five. He's in one of our newer players. But then now you've got a mismatch at the guards. Because you've got you got you you don't have Kyle Lowry right now, correct? So you've got Tyler Hero, you've got Adebayo, you've got Martin, you've got uh, Butler, and then they've got a guard Tobias Harris and and Maxi who one Maxi's a speed threat yep. and two and then you've got um, Harris is a size threat because outside of Jimmy Butler who else can guard him like comfortably guard him because in game one Harris was cooking Tyler Hero. Yeah. I watched it. He was cooking him. Like, Tyler Hero did everything he could. He just ain't big enough. He ain't tall nope. enough. Tobias Harris is bigger than he looks. Neither is Duncan Robinson. And Duncan Robinson didn't even really play in game one. Yeah. And he really didn't play much in game two. No. Oladipo played in game two. Yep. But so it'll. Be, I, I, but I agree, though. I do not think that – I don't think with Embiid, I don't think it makes much of a difference. I think it makes it a little more competitive. Um. By the way, the Heat did close out and win game two, 119-103. Right. So, yes, sir. So White hot on deck. How about this? Is Doc on the hot seat? Because his best, he he obviously made the adjustment tonight to play the small ball lineup more. But in the first game, your best lineup was your small ball lineup. And at the start of the third quarter, instead of bringing your small ball lineup back in, you put DeAndre Jordan back in to fill the center position, and you lose the lead almost I, immediately. I ain't seen DeAndre Jordan get up on the air in a long time. Man, last thing I can remember about DeAndre Jordan get up on the air is when he had the amazing, amazing poster dunk. But that was so, so long ago. Was that the 2013 season? Man, yeah, I think it was. Oh, I think you're right. Man. So, currently, your NBA playoff leaders, just in general. So, total points is John Morant with 210. Wow. Total rebounds, Giannis with 89. Assists, John Morant with 81. And in win shares, Chris Paul, one and a half. I'm not even the slightest surprised by Chris Paul in win shares. No, I'm not surprised by that either. Like, not even close. So, there's that for you. Just, you know, some random... Random basketball stats that I I was looking at earlier today, and I was like, let me just pull those up. I'm curious. By the way, the one thing I did, the one thing I didn't say that I have written down for this Miami Philadelphia series, is Eric Spoelstra the best coach in the NBA? Yes. Okay, that was quick enough. I think he is too. I don't need to elaborate. Anybody that watches basketball shouldn't need an elaboration on that. There's no explanation needed. So we got that covered. Um, I think we covered all of our games that need to be covered. Milwaukee, Boston. I'm just playing. Anyway, so that's a heavyweight. That's a heavyweight fight that we uh we've been talking about really since game one. Yep. Because man, you want to talk about literally this is this is Roy Jones versus Holyfield type of, yeah. type of matchup right here. Like, yeah. Because in game one, you didn't know what you were gonna get from Boston, but you got a lot of Giannis. But this is the epitome of everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth in game one. Oh, yeah. This, this is exactly what it was. And uh, I think in game two, Boston adjusted very, very well. Without Marcus Smart. 
without Marcus Smart. I think they adjusted well. They, you can't you can't stop Giannis, but in the first game with the triple double, in the second game you stop him from getting a triple double. You limit him more. Yeah, but if you look at look at his shot chart in game two, like they they really made it difficult for yes. him in that 17 foot 15 10 like they made it really difficult and they put a lot of bodies on him and Jalen Brown was in his bag yeah yeah Jalen Brown was on fire yeah Jason, on Jason fire. Tatum was hot like you got plays and man Williams too Williams at 66 yeah. was guarding Giannis and giving Giannis problems you know even when he took that elbow that kind of tricep area elbow to the face he kept staying with him well, the knock on Giannis has always been um, build a wall and pretty much limit him to shooting. So, uh, I mean, yes, it works. Question now is, without Chris Middleton, can he shake it off? Because Chris Middleton was the floor stretcher last year to make sure you couldn't do that. But with Chris Middleton out in this series. Now you have Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen who have to step up yep. and make pick up that slack. For, for Chris Middleton. And notice, in the first game, that's what happened. That is. You're right, because Drew Holiday was was, was good. And 25 and 10. Was good enough. And then Giannis was Giannis. Yeah. But you don't even know when you're going to see Chris Middleton again. Well, for right now, they say Chris Middleton's going to miss the series. So, at some point, Boston's going to get Marcus Smart back. Yep. And then, there you go. Like, it's going to be interesting because now the question is, so they already split in Boston. Mm-hmm. Do they split in Milwaukee? I think they split in Milwaukee. I said I think Boston will win game three, and uh, what's the coach's name? Budenholzer mm-hmm. is going to have to make some adjustments. He's going to – and Giannis is – he can't guard – him and Drew Holiday can't guard five positions. Somebody else is going to have to step up defensively, and normally that's Chris Middleton because he's mm-hmm. very long and lanky. But, I mean, in game two, Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Al Horford, they all went for double digits, all of them. And, and Brown and Tatum went for uh, – 29 and 30. How do you how do you stop something like that? And the ball movement was immaculate. Oh, yeah. It, it, it gave me some 2014 vibes. Right. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you know what I'm talking about, them Spurs. That's that, No, the ball movement is seamless, similar to how Miami plays with the great ball movement. So yep. while we got that all sorted out, let's, let's, um, let's give the people our picks because we did not get to make our picks last episode okay. because the round one wasn't over yet and we didn't want to make our picks prior to that. So right. let's start with this very difficult series. Let's start with this Milwaukee-Boston series. Go with Boston. Because, going with Boston. Chris, because Chris Middleton isn't playing, I'm going to go with Boston. I'm going to take Boston – in, in seven. S- I'm going to take Boston in six. Okay. I think there's a chance that Boston may take both games in Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, let's go Phoenix and Dallas. Oh, Phoenix and five. I don't. I, I think Dallas will pull out one win just on the strength of Luka. But I'm going to go Phoenix in six because I think Dallas will round in the form, and I think I think Dallas will take two. Okay. Just I'm 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 holding out a little bit of faith and hope in in Jason Kidd, not Luca, in Jason Kidd. That that's that's that awesome. matters. That's, that, that's it right there. Th- that definitely matters. All right, Jay Kidd. Miami in the Sixers. Oh man, I'm going with Miami. I'm I, I got Miami in six. I got if, my I got if Miami. If Embiid comes back, five. If Embiid comes back, I'll give him two games. But if he doesn't come back, it's easily five. And it, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't a sweep. I, I if got, Embiid yeah. isn't there, I got Miami in five, whether Embiid comes back or not. It that's just it makes no difference to me. Huh. All right, you know players are different when they wear masks. I'm just saying. Right, <laughs> LeBron, Embiid, like yeah, so Kobe. <laughs> let's pick this other electrifying series: Golden State and Memphis. Yeah, I know, it's hard, right? I want to lean with Memphis, but but if Golden State takes a three-two lead, game six, going play. back. To Memphis. Let me tell y'all something, man. Game six clay is a real. I've seen him do it too many times. So um I just th- I think Golden State's experience is gonna prevail with the core with Draymond, Clay, and Steph. Okay. And uh Jordan Poole. I just don't think Ja has enough coming with him outside of Desmond Dane. Desmond Bain and uh you called his name earlier and I can't think Dylan of his Brooks. Name right now. Dylan Brooks. So I'm taking Memphis. I'm taking Memphis in seven. I'm riding with the young guns. I just, something about this Memphis team just feels like they're ready. Are they truly ready? No, but if the current path they're on, you had to, you had to play a very scrappy Minnesota team in round one. Yep. You got beat up. You took your lumps. Now, this is a test. You are playing the defending champs from, you know, a couple years back. But this team has so much championship experience between the core. Here we go talking about the core again like we do with Boston. So if they can somehow muster up and win this series in seven, I think Phoenix got their hands full. Phoenix? Yeah. No, no. Listen to what I'm saying. If Memphis beats Golden State, I think Phoenix has their hands full is what I'm saying. I still don't. I I think Phoenix is coming out the West. I'm not going to lie to you. 
listen to what I just said. They're going to have their hands <laughs> full. That's what I said. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot harder. And I think they match up better. I think they match up better with Phoenix than Golden State does. I think Fe- I actually think Golden State is the one team that could actually knock Phoenix off. Absolutely. So I don't think, if you're Phoenix, I don't think you want to see Golden State. But I like, I, either way, Phoenix is going to have a very difficult Western Conference Finals to make it back to the Finals. Because that's a, that's a tough matchup. It is. And... The Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, if you're talking about potential, if you're talking about Boston and Miami, mm. I'll I'll say this. Um, I think the X factor down the stretch for Phoenix to get back to the Conference Finals will be DeAndre Ayton, especially if they go against Memphis. DeAndre Ayton has to ascend this time, though. Oh, oh, he's because he's, he he was he did not last time. I, well, wait. Well, first he was matched up one on one with Giannis. That's I, the best play in the world. Which part? I, look. That that was a strictly a coaching. Hey, we're not double teaming Giannis. We're going one on one with Giannis the whole way. DeAndre Ayton is going to guard you, and DeAndre Ayton wasn't ready. Is that the excuse you're going to go with? I, I absolutely, absolutely, because because everybody else, everybody said like, "Yo, build the wall," because that's the way to beat Giannis, and they didn't. They was just like, "Hey, DeAndre Ayton's going to guard you one on one," and he ate DeAndre Ayton alive. Well, DeAndre Ayton had a chance to have a coming out party the same way. That Pascal Siakam did when the when the Raptors went to the finals. Yeah, but Pascal no. Siakam had to draw KD. Yeah, Don't act like that's not a tough matchup. Yeah, but KD got injured, and K- KD got injured, and prior I to mean, the injury, it was a different story. Exactly. But K- KD was getting buckets. <laughs> exactly. But I digress. Okay, so here we go with that. So we got our picks. They'll probably hold up. A couple of them will be a little. One yeah. of them won't hold up because I picked one and you picked one. Hey, we'll see. You know. All right, so we'll you know we'll tiptoe on this um this NFL draft thing real quick. Um, we won't get too in depth because most of you, if you're true NFL fans, you watched the draft, you did all your analysis, you you know you looked at what your teams and you did. You probably don't watch college football, and or you just didn't watch college football at all. But what I will say is the teams at the bottom who drafted early, a lot of those teams actually did a damn good job drafting. The Giants. The Jets, the Jags, you guys had outstanding drafts. Can't complain. The Texans, uh, yeah, I, you did okay. The you, Texans were, I feel, because I was looking, I watched some of it, and I'm just like, I feel like you're going more of, and I hate to say it like this, because you're going more of the Patriots route. You're looking for diamonds in the rough. You're looking at potential instead of drafting what you know is there. I don't like yeah, drafting even, like that. Even at number, I think it was number four, you know, you went with a corner, and I'm like, you probably could have went with a pass rusher or a linebacker yeah because if you can't stop nobody i don't care who you draft offensively you could have drafted drake london and it wouldn't have made a difference because you can't stop nobody (sighs) so pass rush is the way you win games on defense and uh, so how did how did you feel about malik willis going to tennessee i mean what do you want me to say <laughs> I just, I, I'm asking you for your opinion. It's because I don't know if you've been reading. It's already been kind of stirring a little bit. Because in an interview, they had asked Ryan Tannehill if he would mentor Malik Willis, and he was like, "Well, you know, it's not my, it's not my job. You know, like, if he learns anything from me, you know, good for him. But it's, it's not my job to to, to mentor him." It, um, number one, first of all, Ryan Tannehill is your job to mentor him. Let's get that out the window. I don't care what anybody has to say about that if you are the QB in that situation because all you're going to do is make this dude more hungry. Yeah. You're going to make him more hungry. Oh, it's not my job to mentor him. This No. Listen, look, Malik Willis is more cap- more than capable of probably winning this job. Ryan Tannehill, you are on a short leash. He, he's, you are, he's a game manager. You were a number one seed last year and got smoked by the Bengals and you threw multiple interceptions. I called and it. First of all, let's first of all, Ryan Tannehill, stop acting like yo don't stink, all right? You spent a lot of time in Miami where you was poo-poo, getting smacked by my Patriots while you was down there, good old Miami with Adam Gase. And you I were forgot an, about Adam Gase. You were an, you were <laughs> there was a point in time where you were an afterthought. Your own fan base didn't even like you. I have a couple of friends that are Miami Dolphins fans and they're like, We can't stand Ryan Tannehill. All of a sudden you moved your butt on down to Nashville and you became some sort of relevant. And now you act like your poo don't stink. He only became relevant because Derrick Henry was running the ball. So that play action is very, very serious. But, I mean, he got to watch his back. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely got to look back. over his shoulder. He got yink. Yeah. This is, this is, this is an Alex Smith situation right now. I think it very much so can be an, could be an Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation. Heck, even Alex Smith or, and... Or, uh, oh, and Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and I'm not, saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to be... Patrick Mahomes, but no, but true football fans know what we're yeah. talking about when we say it like that. Yeah, but um, 
you know, um, my Patriots, we didn't have a bad draft. We drafted for need. We didn't really go crazy. You know, we got some DBs. We drafted, a, we drafted a, <laughs> we drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. That's, that's the not Belichick the, way. Not the first time we've done that. They usually end up being pro bowlers three, four, five years. Like, you know, no big deal. They're all pros. It's kind of what we do. And that's exactly what I meant by the Texans more felt like they were looking for diamonds in the rough than just going by what's already there. Yeah. So we had two two blockbuster trades that went down on draft night. You had A.J. Brown that got traded from Tennessee to the Eagles. How do you feel about that one? I don't know what Tennessee is doing. Um, I don't know if they're going to blow up their roster or what. But let me explain something. To Tennessee, I need to explain something to y'all, okay? And I want y'all to hear me out. Nobody besides Ryan Tannehill is your problem. Nobody. Not one. Not one thing. And you went and traded A.J. Brown, the best receiver. Oh, plus you don't have Julio no more. Um, you have Robert Woods. Whatever is, hopefully something's good is left of, left of yeah. Robert Woods after that scary injury last year. Absolutely. So, um, I don't know what Tennessee's doing. They, I don't they, they look like they're about to give up the division to Indianapolis. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. And speaking of the other Brown that was traded, Hollywood Brown was traded from the Ravens to the Cardinals to be paired with his college quarterback, Kyler Murray. Didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I don't know who Lamar Jackson is going to throw the football to. I don't either, but <laughs> let's stay on the uh, let's stay on the Cardinals for just a second because I'm sure you're aware of the situation with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Suspension? Yeah. Six games, PEDs. As a as a bona fide true Texans fan like you are, knowing how much I know you love DeAndre Hopkins when he spent his time here, how does a story like that make you feel as a fan? Disappointed. Um, I thought he was the heir apparent to Andre Johnson as the next Texans receiver up, and I still rooted for the guy once he was gone. Uh, as you know, I, I love Larry Fitzgerald, so Larry Fitzgerald was mentoring him when he got over there. J.J. Watt is over there. Uh they got a good bit of ex-Texans over there, so just to, you got to do better, man. Come on, dude. Yeah. I mean, we all we all got things that we deal with, and I don't know what's, why you were taking the PEDs. I don't know if you were hurt and you were just trying to get better, because that's what most a lot of players do. They use PEDs to try and get better faster, because that's pretty much what PEDs do. It heals your body faster. But, I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating. Yeah. <sighs> but it also, when you hear about it, and you hear that apparently this goes all the way back to, like, last November. Yeah. So it's like, did that add fuel to the fact of why they traded for Hollywood Brown? Because they just knew they were going to miss on miss DeAndre Hopkins for I some games. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I did a little, a little I, looking I, I into that. I didn't think about that. I was like, hmm. I'm wondering how far back it goes, though, even if it's... Well, right. this is the first time that he's had a, a, a positive test. Yeah, so, but it's, it's random tests, though. So I'm, what, I mean, maybe Bill O'Brien knew something that we didn't know in Houston. Who knows? Hmm. Bum, bum, bum. Well, oh well, the world may never know. <laughs> yep, you're right. All right, so let's get these shout outs. Oh man, so I'm gonna let you get your shout outs going first, and I'm gonna get our uh, our local brews rocking. Okay, um, my first shout out, I got two, I got two. My first shout out is going to we didn't talk about this, Andrew Wiggins. I haven't seen a two-handed poster dunk in so long, but my goodness, Andrew. Man, man, man. That was a beautiful thing to see. It was it was a beautiful body of work. I mean, y'all lost, but hey, you got your highlight. And you're starting to look like the play that everybody thought you would be out of college. So, at least uh this year. So, I'm going with Andrew Wiggins for the first shout-out. And the second shout-out, uh, I'm going to give to both of our moms. Okay. This weekend is Mother's Day. Uh, I think both of our moms are very, very proud of us. Oh, I agree. Um... They raised us to be very, very good men. And not to just brag on ourselves, but I mean, I've never been in a jail cell. I don't think you've ever been in a jail cell. I ain't even been arrested. I've never been. I've been in handcuffs once for some nonsense that I, that had nothing to do with me. But um, I mean, I graduated high school, got a job. I've been, you graduated high school, you're in the uh, National Guard. I mean, shout out to, uh, shout out to our moms, man, on, on Mother's Day weekend. Mama, I love you. I love my mother. Mama, I love you too. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead. So I'm going to get my shout outs knocked out. So I feel like Stone Cold, just throw it up. Yeah, I'm not going to throw it because if you drop it, we're going to have a problem. So my first shout out, you know, I'd say you, you kind of stole that one. So, you know, I got to, got to, got to, <laughs> on, on the fly, I got to go with a different direction. So I'm going to go a little broader with it. And I'm going to say my shout out is to all the amazing mothers out there that have raised beautiful and successful men and women out there. Yep. This shout out is for y'all. We love all of y'all. We appreciate y'all. To everybody who has an amazing mother, 
Don't forget to love them, kiss them, and tell them how much that you love them this weekend. I hope y'all are doing something special for those mothers, whatever that may be, even if it's just pulling up and just hanging out for a little bit. We taking shots. (laughs) You know, hey, that's me and my mom. We'll just pull up and take shots. It don't even matter. So um, in my second shout out, I'm going to kind of isolate it just a little bit. And a special shout out to the beautiful mother of my two girls. There you go. Because I got something special planned for her on Sunday. I'm excited about it. I got the reservation on Well, don't let her listen to this before Sunday. Oh, it's okay. I'm not going to tell her what it is. I'm not going to tell the world what it is either. Just know that I got the reservation on deck, and your boy GQ is putting on a suit for this occasion. So you know that's how special it is. I got the teenager. I told her to go ahead and make sure you pick the baby out of outfit. I told her to find a nice dress. So, you know, we're going to dress up for the occasion. We're going to go out, have a good time before mama got to go to work, and it's going to be fun. There you go. So, shout outs is out the way. And since we kind of was talking about Houston-related activities before we even got into the shout-outs, today's special local brewery is from Eleven Below Brewing. This is Be Someone. If you know what Be Someone is My in Houston, you, better know. you know. So, Eleven Below Brewing is right here in Houston, Texas, and is proudly brewed in the good old city of Houston. This is a honey wheat ale, 6.9% alcohol by volume and we about to tear it up where did you buy this h-e-b here everything's better yes sir still working on that cheers to you yes sir well you know what let's get it rocking with this crossover because we don't do the crossover right now let's go okay so i think you're going to appreciate this one um so like i said i woke up at four o'clock this morning and i got on youtube and the first thing don't laugh because i still keep up with this show every now and then at least i go back and watch old episodes it is one of my favorite superhero shows one of my favorite superhero shows of all time is the power rangers ain't nothing wrong with that ain't nothing wrong with that so something i caught on to with the power rangers uh just going through different videos and looking things up it never dawned on me that midway through every power ranger series sometimes at the beginning sometimes in the middle they always add an extra ranger and i think everybody knows where i'm going with this when i cross over back into sports with this one they always add an extra ranger oh yeah meaning most of the time they have a starting five and then they have a what? A six, six man. man. So before I go any further, shout out to my favorite six ranger of all time, Tommy, a.k.a. Mr. Jason David Frank. That man was the green ranger, six man, the white ranger, six man. And in Dino Thunder, a lot of people sleep on this. They had three rangers in Dino Thunder. He was the fourth guy and he became the black ranger. Time Force, you have the quantum ranger. Zeo, you got the gold ranger which was jason at one point and then of course the other one was trey then in lost galaxy i'm only going through the ones that i really paid attention to lost galaxy had the magna defender which was leo's brother that came back from the dead lost galaxy was my one yeah i love lost that's a very very good season very underrated theme song stronger than me no wrong one (laughs) Uh, Power Rangers, Lost, Lost Galaxy. Galaxy. That was uh Turbo. I forgot Turbo actually hey, had one. Hey, now Turbo was fire. They they had they had the Phantom Ranger and the Blue Centurion Ranger. Yep. I forgot about both of them until I started looking it up. Um, and then of course one of my favorite, probably my second favorite, uh, one of all time, Zane from Power Rangers in Space, the Silver Ranger. Power Rangers in space. Power Rangers in space. So, with that being said, here comes the crossover. Let's go. Cross it up. The top six men in NBA history. Uh-oh. Oh, man. So, I'm going I'm to start with some honorable mentions, and I'm going to go in to number five. All right? So, the honorable mention, I got Ricky Pierce of the Milwaukee Bucks at the height of his career, 22 points per game off the bench, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, I think for like five seasons, he averaged uh, 19 points off the bench. I like how you started off going way back. Yeah, I got to go way back. Jason Terry, we all know what kind of six-man he was to that Dallas Mavericks squad. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going into Eddie Johnson. He was the six-man with the Hawks, and then, of course, came over to Houston later in his career. Now we get in to the five. Uh-oh. Okay, so here we go. Number five, I put in the one and only, and don't try and take this too literal as this is the placement of where they are. This, this, the, this is literally the placement they just came up in my head as I was thinking about them, of who I would put in the top five altogether without ranking them. Number five, Kevin McHale. And if you know about those 80 Celtics teams, you know Kevin McHale might be one of the best low post players ever. If you don't know about these 80 Celtics teams, you're not a basketball fan. Absolutely. Brings me to my next Celtic player of the 80s because this dude is a former MVP. 
with the Portland Trailblazers. I'm talking about the one and only Bill Walton, mm. another six man that was on them Celtics teams that were dominating. Yeah, didn't he? He played for Portland too, didn't he? he yeah, he won MVP with Portland yeah. and won the title. Mm-hmm. In I think it was '77. Yeah, some yeah. So now number three, we're going more recent now. We're going with the one and only Lou Williams. Sweet lemon pepper Lou. Lemon pepper Lou. I can't even name all the teams this dude played for, bro. Look, just look. Don't just don't. Don't even. I just I, I the, the the year the Rockets were really really good. They had Lou Williams there, and I wish they could. I wish they would have kept him more. When the Clippers were good, the Clippers had him. Oh yeah, uh, the '76ers. Uh, Lou, Lou is yeah, Lou, Lou, the Raptors. How many, oh man, how many man. playoff games has Lou been in? Lou, Lou's been uh, man. How many playoff games has he won single handedly? Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, as my boy Chuck would say, Ginobili, probably the greatest six man of all time. Manu, Manu, probably the best six man of all time. Y'all already know what it is with the San Antonio Spurs. He took a lesser role and came off the bench. Uh, what more can you say about a guy that would probably average 20 a game for in a starting role and be a perennial all-star? Not to mention a man who caught a bat in the stadium. Yeah, which was in, I would have no. And speaking, it's funny. We keep talking about May the 4th. At one point during that playoff run, his nickname was Obi-Wan Ginobili. Obi-Wan Ginobili. And then, of course, how could I forget this dude? He's won. He's the only other person besides Lou Williams to win Sixth man of the year three times. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Handle himself, Jay Crossover, Jamal yes, Crawford. Sir. Oh, play man. For a million teams, it feels like. I think he played for 14. I think it was 14. Yeah. And he, he can name every head coach yeah. he's played for in order. It is yeah. insane. Like, you want to talk about the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the NBA, Jay Crossover is definitely one of them. And if, him, if and, you, him and Lou, probably. If, if you have ever played 2K13 and beyond, you know what kind of cheat code this man is from the three-point line. I don't play 2K, but from watching enough of it, yeah, it ain't, it ain't right. It, it ain't right. That is my list of honorable mentions and in the top five. Who did I miss? Let me know. I like it. You touched most of the you you touched the important decades, and I don't really, really and truly like unless somebody just really has a favorite player, like a favorite six man. I think you hit all the key players. My cousin will put J.R. Smith on this list, um, that, and over who? And I'm just saying he will put him on the but, list. But I'm saying like the question, my follow up is over who? I don't think he goes over anybody. I don't think he goes anybody over anybody I just named. I'm saying, but like, he he would he would put J.R. Smith in his top 10, you know. Uh, okay, sure. If you yeah. want to do a top 10 six man, okay, cool. But yeah, off, but off that current list, I don't put J.R. Smith. I was going to go six, but between Eddie Johnson and Jason Terry and Ricky Paris, I just couldn't decide. The, yeah. the the numbers are just too good between all three of them. I don't yeah, I don't I don't see it. Yeah. That was hey, I that that was my crossover for this week. I think it I think you enjoyed it. <laughs> no, nah, that was that was so solid. Like I And just... of course, before shout out to Tyler Hero on the sixth man of the year award, because we did not touch on that really. Sorry. But um I was basically in shock that he did not win this award unanimously. I think he got ninety six of the first place votes. I think it's ninety six out of hundred. I heard it on T V today and I just can't remember. But he I can tell you Tyler Hero got ninety six first place votes. He got two second place votes. Got two third place votes for four hundred and eighty eight total points. Believe it or not, guess who number two on this list was? Jordan Poole? No, Kevin Love. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not surprised by that. Cleveland, Cleveland had a good season this year, and Kevin Love came off the bench, so I'm not, I'm not. So he had a couple of throwback games too. Yeah. So ironically, Jordan Poole wasn't on this list because I think Jordan Poole played more games as a starter. He did. Wow. So, yeah. So basically, he what you had, uh, you had Tyler Hero, Kevin Love, Cam Johnson, Jordan Clarkson, Luke Kennard, Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kelly Oubre, the Anthony Melton, Kelly Oubre, Montrez Harrell, who did win a Sixth Man of the Year before yeah uh twice actually i think emmanuel quigley brandon clark tyrus jones and max kleber so kelly Oubre. We what are, look, we're not gonna talk about we already talked about kelly Oubre. we're not gonna waste that much breath on that so kevin love got 58 second place votes and then cam johnson got 42 third place votes so i do like very, cam johnson with phoenix yeah, yeah. i do too but it was a very lopsided race it should have been unanimous i'm not even going no to i agree it. it definitely should have been it, it no it should have been but hey we're not the voters. You know how we feel about it. So, yeah, but all the voters ain't qualified either. Man, I don't want to hear it. We ain't going to talk about it. Look, we, that's another topic for another day. So we got rid of our crossover. Time to get into the finale, if you will. Okay. 
Let's get into the real talk. 100. So, all right. it took me a while. Um, I took all my show notes, and it took me, like, three days to find, find this topic and then, like, you know, figure it out. So, today's real talk topic is the unrealistic and stereotypical portrays of men in the media and in culture. Got a question for you. Go ahead. When is the last time you have seen in a movie or a show or even heard a story that has that gives the father a positive outlook? John Q. It's been that long. Like you ain't like nothing. I'm I'm trying I'm 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 really trying to uh, well, well no, okay. even in even in your own life, like when has somebody talked positively um, about another man that's not bashing him or oh he's the he's a deadbeat father or he's always in and out of jail like like when is the last time you heard something like that? I will say when my personal experience with my uncle did you know I got a state night yeah. with my uncle every night uh every Thursday night and I would say with him yeah but if just through the media um through the media and TV and maybe maybe Bel Air mm. maybe Bel Air but before Bel Air maybe Fresh Prince <laughs> yeah. so there's other times but well man. oh Blackish is a good is a good example too it is. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you a couple. So you had you had one that I feel like a lot of people slept on, and I wish they wouldn't have. And it was Fatherhood. Kevin Hart's Fatherhood movie was oh, yeah. one of the was a beautiful portrayal of a father from both spectrums. And here's why I say that. So in the movie, for those who have not seen it, I will do my best not to spoil it for you. But for those who have, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I'm one of the ones so that haven't seen it. In this movie, Fatherhood, Kevin Hart's wife in the movie gives birth to their birth to their daughter, and she dies. She dies after giving birth, like a, like hours later. So the very first thing that happens after the mother dies, Kevin Hart's mom, sisters, all the females immediately say, "Oh, you need to give her up to us. You need to let us take care of her. You're not ready for this. You can't do this." Like he has a daughter. Yes, they have, okay. they have a daughter. Okay. So they immediately bash him. Like, assuming that he just can't raise this daughter by his daughter by himself. Like, he's immediately he's unfit because the mother's not in the picture. And I'm like, okay, so there's, I'm like, so then as the movie progresses, yes, he goes through his trials, his tribulations. He learns things, you know, some things the hard way, some things the easy way. But then, you know, he eventually figures it out, you know, like a true parent does. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we, you know, you brought it up earlier and you were talking about some sports dads. Yeah. You talked about John Moran's dad. You talked about the ball, um, the 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 ball boy's dad, um, Levar. Um, I think you talked about. You brought another dad up, but how these fathers fight for their children the way they do, and people look at him like, why is he so, ugh? Like, why is he so much? Like, why is he so brash? I'm like, so my thing is like this: What's wrong with a father advocating for his kids? Like, do we as parents not want our children to be the absolute best versions of themselves? And see, that's the that's one thing I've always said is like, um, whenever people, whenever he said, "Hey, Lonzo or Lamelo could be the could be better than Michael Jordan," everybody's like, "Oh, he's lost it." This and never like, I mean, why can't they? Why not? You put in the work, you could do that. And right. he believes in his kids. And what's wrong with oh? Carl Anthony Towns dad. That's the other dad. Carl Anthony to Towns dad, another, yeah. Because that's another dad I was trying to remember. But I'm like, again, I would rather have parents like that than the parents that I see myself. Or like on TV. I'm gonna tell you the absolute the the, the the parents that I can't stand are the ones that live through their kids. Oh, that's real life right there. Yeah, the cheer moms, yep. the dance moms, like those, you know, the the the, the baseball dads. The like baseball the, the, dads. The, the coach my and you notice know from my coaching experience, the, the coach dads. The ones who coach from the stands in the middle of a game trying to tell their kids what to do because this is what they did whenever they played and this, that and the other. I do not like those kinds of parents. I prefer the parents that people are trying to negatively portray because they're advocating for their kids to do great. Yes. They didn't hand their kids anything. They pushed their kids. They made their kids earn everything, and those kids are that much better for it. And those are the kids that are normally coachable on top of that. Because there's not a day that goes by that I, I wouldn't change a single thing that either of my parents did in my life. Because the way they raised me is the reason why I am the way I am today. Had they raised me like these, this current generation is being raised, with being coddled and all this, no, no. Hell no. Because coddled children become really coddled adults, and coddled adults do nothing for the world, period. Nothing. They don't, because they want everything to be handed to them. They it's want annoying. overnight success. They want, they want it now. They don't want to put the work in. They don't want to grind. They don't know... They don't even know what the term grind means. No, they look for instant gratification. Yeah. And and a lot of that has to do with social media as well. Yep. But, uh, but a lot of it has to do with how you're raised. Absolutely how you're raised. If you're raised with respect, if you're raised with the work ethic, if you're raised and taught what we call, you know, 
basically if you if you're raised what's in the manner that's basically called the hustler's mentality you know because say what you want about a hustler but there's one thing that a hustler won't stop doing is grinding absolutely like they're never satisfied so how do you take a mindset like that and you instill it into your children? You push them to a point where they never want to stop working to be better. Like they should never be happy with what they have in a in a in a, a manner of speaking to where it's like, oh yeah, I got this, but I want more. And you know, this is why I push parents, not necessarily sports, but in some kind of competitive fashion. Because growing up, I played soccer. A lot of people don't know that about me. I play. I didn't play basketball. I didn't play football. My dad is from the Caribbean. My mom is from the Caribbean. I played soccer. You learn so much going through competitive sports. But there's a lot of parents out there that will not allow their kids to be coached. They want a lot of kids to be coached. They tell their kids they're the best. They're this, they're that. And the kid gets a big head. They feel like everything should be handed to them. And that right there alone, what people miss, is setting them up for failure in the long run. Because you're not working to be called the best. That's why I don't like participation trophies. No. I hate them. Patricia, participation trophies suck. Because you're just saying, oh, you did a good job while you were here. Here's a trophy for you. No, 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 no. When I was growing up, you went in first, second, or third. And if you don't win either one of those, you're not getting crap. And depending on the sport, there is no third place trophy. There's no third place trophy. There's only the champion and the other team. Really, only in the Olympics you get the the, yeah. the third and place. That's, and there, and that's 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 different. And you know, it's always been that way. And we, yeah, you know, being in the sports world, you know, we've always understood one, two, three, gold, yep. silver, bronze, no big deal. And because it, it matters for the sake of points. Yeah. But to caveat, you know, yeah, like, I do not understand where it happened. I don't even remember when participation trophies became a thing. But it is the worst thing that happened to young athletes. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I finished the season. Cool. I got a t-shirt and a trophy that says I participated. Yeah, but what else did you do? Like, what did you do to contribute to the team's success or to your own personal success? You know, Charles Barkley has the best explanation of this that I've pretty much ever heard when it comes to modern players playing right now back then the bench warmers if you want to call them bench warmers the bench players um most of them weren't making over two hundred thousand dollars a year the people that were making millions were only star players on the team now the 10th player on the bench can be paid five million a year five million a year to sit on the sideline most of the time and play eight minutes a game it's i mean of course everybody's gonna look at charles barkley like oh you're salty this and that i see it completely different why would charles barkley be salty exactly so but they because you know how much star players make now compared to when he yeah, was playing I but but so at the time he was making top he, of he the was league. making buku money he's making top of the league money because he was a top of the league player and don't disrespect charles barkley um people don't disrespect Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was a top five player in his time yeah. for multiple years. Like, I understand the TV personality y'all see on TV, but if you do not know about Charles Barkley, just go on YouTube. 25 and 12. Just just go on YouTube. Don't want to hear it. Just go look at the matchups between Charles and Shaq. Just just go just go look it up. I'm not even going to get into it with you. I, if you don't know, go educate yourself. Yeah. But to get back onto this topic. So a couple of other examples of, um, you know, movies that portrayed the father a little bit more positive was Daddy's Little Girls with Idris Elba. I love Daddy's Little Girls. Idris I love Elba. that movie. Idris Elba had three girls in that movie. And look at look at the mom. The yep. mom was with a drug dealer. Yes. And she still thought she was entitled to having the kids and, you know, all this, this, that, and the other. So it's like, now what? Now you, okay, there's that one. Now let's go into Pursuit of Happiness. I was just about to get to Pursuit of Happiness. Because you go into Pursuit of Happiness. You yeah. got the mom, you know, the mom left and left the father and the son together. They're poor. They sleeping in the bathroom of a subway station, like, while dad is just trying to get out there and get a job. But yep. he always made sure his son had, you know, whatever he needed to get down. He was down. grinding, too. Every day he was grinding, he was hustling, going to all these interviews, just trying to get a part of a brokerage firm. And then, of course, thank goodness, you know, at the end, you know, he finally finally broke through. Yep. And then we can even go into some movies like uh, with coaches, influential coaches like uh, How About Coach Carter? Great. Uh, Tino Cruz in the movie. His cousin got killed. Mm -hmm. I think it was, I don't know if his cousin or his brother, but they got killed. The coach was his, was, was his father figure. Because he wanted to retaliate. The coach was his father figure. He went there in the middle of the night. He took him in. Uh, he let him back on the team. All kind of things. I mean, like this. But he made him earn his way back. He did make team. him earn his way back. Give him his spot back. Take it a step further. We talked about coaching movies. Gridiron Game. Oh man, I love Gridiron Game. So you, now you talk Talking about a coach inside of a juvenile detention center with kids who have made mistakes and ended up, you know, yep. and Dwayne Johnson's character comes up with a, you know, 
he's a he's becomes this coach who becomes a father figure and a mentor to these troubled kids these troubled kids mm -hmm. so you got that one more examples of father figures or just father figures or just fathers in general being pushed in a more positive light yeah. not in this negative way that we look at them now because like i know earlier you brought up um fresh prince all of us who grew up watching Fresh Prince, we know Uncle Phil was a great father first figure things, for us. First things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. But then let's talk about one of the most iconic episodes of Fresh Prince, when Will Smith's father is in the picture. Mm -hmm. We all know that scene very well. All of us. Well, okay. All of us that was born after the 80, after 88 and whatnot, who really was like kids, kids when this happened. Like, like we know about that scene. How come, how come he don't love me? You know? Yeah. Like, no. Then when you go look at the Cosby show, another one, like, you know, look at Family Matters. I was family just about Matters to get on so, Family Matters. That's an underrated like, one. We're talking about iconic fathers or uncles or, you know, whatever the case might be, but iconic men who were instrumental in the development of young kids. I give you one that's very underrated because people forget about it because it was a white and black dynamic, different strokes. Man, different strokes to go. So, like, we don't we don't have a lot of TV and shows like that anymore. Yeah, and that's it's kind of sad. Like growing up, like it was nothing for me to be sitting there watching four, five, six, seven episodes of Fresh Prince back to back to back to back like that, or watching Family Matters because there was always some like like man like Carl Winslow always had a wisdom wisdom bomb for you. Oh, I like, give you one more recent that I just thought about in the back of my mind that. A lot of people probably sleep on Joe West on the Flash. Yeah, Black Lightning. That's an yes. Black Lightning. <laughs> yeah. Another a devoted father. Yes, he has a couple of selfish tendencies, but he is about his family, like a completely about his family. And shout out to my boy. I don't. I think you know just Justin Heitzman. Yeah. Justin Justin's been a single dad now for four years. He has a girl and a son, and he's been a single dad for that long. And you know, you see all these posts on Facebook. Put a baby daddy in a baby mom position and watch he fold. Not that one. <laughs> now, there are a lot of fathers out there who are doing great things for their children and yep. their families. And I want to make sure that y'all understand that, hey, we hear you. Yeah. We with you. And I'd like to make a big time shout out to the largest black fathers group on Facebook. It is called Black Fathers. It has over 96,000 black fathers in Texas, all in one Facebook group. Wow. When I tell you it is every type of situation you've ever heard in your life in one section, one place. I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the support system is something that you've never seen before. Like, everybody's situation, somebody's got, hey, man, when I was going through something like that, this is what I did. Boom, 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 boom. Like, the positive energy. There's not a lot of tearing down. Like, there's a lot of beautiful stuff going on in there. And I don't mean to try to make it about race, but I brought that up because I'm a, I'm in that group as well. And I just, when I read it, I'm just like, man, some of these fathers be going through it. Like, dealing with their with their, with their their baby mama issues or, you know, things of that nature. But this is where I like to see the growth of man. And there was a situation on there. I'll leave out all the names, of course. There was a father on there who had posted. He had got full custody of his daughter in 2019. And all of a sudden, their, their son is about to um, graduate kindergarten. And he reached out to the, to the baby mom. Hey, you know, he's graduating on such and such day. So the baby mom comes back and is like, hey, can you pick me up? I'll get a hotel the day before. So he poses the question like, you know, she pays $124 a month in child support. You know, should I pick her up or should I just say, hey, you need to figure it out on your own? And there was a comment in there, a very particular comment that said, listen, there's a time and a place to make a woman pay for for it and be petty but look he's like that's not a king move absolutely he's not like, at the end of the day say look say what you want about the mother yeah she's doing this but look just what would your how would your son feel if his mom was there and that was the question that was posed and i'm like so just to know that even when a lot of men have the chance to just absolutely destroy the baby mama because we know that they've done that to men for so long oh he's a deadbeat oh he he barely make his child support payments this that but when the shoe was on the other foot and the father had the the prime opportunity to do so turn the other cheek because just like that comment said that's not a king move at the end of the day the biggest and most important thing about a king is a king makes sure his kingdom is, is is all good facts if his kingdom is good everybody else is good because that king is going to do everything that he needs to do to make sure that, that kingdom is running smooth that it ain't falling apart that it's got everything it needs to flourish and that everybody that's in that kingdom is also eating also winning also flourish that's what's important the days of the bashing of the parent whether it's the baby mama to the baby daddy mm -hmm. or vice versa we need to get away with we need to get away from that we got to get away from that we need to push more team co-parent man like all right y'all not together but why can't y'all sit down like adults work together like adults come up with a plan like adults and make the best out of the situation for the child 
Well, because they're petty, like kids. First of all, not they. She. Some of them are petty, like kids. Yeah, but I'm not saying she. Yeah. As in the baby mother. Yeah. Because they. She acts yeah. like a kid, and she wants to be bitter that you don't want to be with her anymore, and act like a kid. Or she got pregnant. Y'all had the kid, and she don't want to be with you, but she wants that bread. Yep. And she. Every time you don't pay up, she holds the kid in your face and say, oh, well, now you're not going to be able to see your kid because you ain't paying your payment or something of that. I got three friends like that. It's highly annoying. I got a lot of situations like that, but we don't have the uh, we don't have the hours. Yeah. To get into that. Yeah. But with that being said, that was our real talk segment. We kind of touched on a lot of things in there. It kind of went a little crazy, but it's it's necessary. It has to be necessary. Like, it's one thing. We're not going to be afraid to talk about those difficult topics. I will post a Q&A for my Spotify listeners telling you. So far, nobody's nobody's dropped any questions. But And I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not scared to stand in front of it either. So, oh, absolutely. I get in front of it, no problem. I don't care. You know, hey, I'm with the smoke. I'm with All the smoke. of it. I'll, I'll go start the fire outside I'm of it if you need to. And if necessary, I deliver that smoke faster than Amazon Prime overnight shipping plan with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, let me get off my box real quick. So, with that being said, this has been episode five. Another yeah, great man. show in the books. We love y'all. We are getting closer and closer to 100 total listens. We have a lot of subscribers coming down the pipe. We're getting the ratings. We're just, we're just trying to build, man. Just trying to build, trying to grind. Um, as we say in the Caribbean culture, tell a friend and tell a friend to go ahead and subscribe, like, listen, share. All of it. Uh, It would be greatly appreciated on our side. Yeah, most definitely. And by all means, for all those that are listening, if you have a podcast, I would want myself or even DJ Michael Box, we would love to be on your podcast. Absolutely. And we can go shout out for shout out. You support us. We support you because we know the podcast community is one big, happy community. So hey, yep. I'm all about success for all parties involved, man. So by all means, reach out to us. We here for it. Once we start putting get, bringing in guests, by all means, we will bring in guests and hosts from other podcasts because it's a network. Just like yeah. anything else you do in life, man, it's all about the network. So hey, let's network. Let's be successful together. Let's all win. Let's all eat. Let's all get our bellies full. And let's get this bread together, man. Yep. This has been episode five of Gentlemen's Talk. We love y'all. Can't wait for episode six. We got more hot content coming for y'all. And we'll catch y'all next time, man. Y'all be blessed. I'm never boxed with